Beautiful greetings, everybody. My name is Alex Flores. And I am Meredith Frigo. And you're listening to Tea Time with Bitter and Sweet. Wigs, layers of makeup, performance. Yas, queen. Yas. <laughs> Meredith, my dear, Mm -hmm. what are we drinking today? Uh, We're kind of being boring today, and we're just having coffee and almond milk. I'm okay with that. I like being boring occasionally. Yeah. You know who's not boring? So so help me God. (laughs) Drag queens. (laughs) They're not boring at all. No, at all. We love a strong female lead. In our lives. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a little bit about drag culture. Yes. Yay. Uh, Let's. Let's. Let's do it. Now, to start off, have you ever heard of a little documentary called Paris is Burning? No. Is Paris really burning? Actually. Is it like a Notre Dame reference? (laughs) Because that's kind of sad. Okay, so there's this dancer in the documentary, and oh. he um, he knows that the documentary is going to be called Paris is Burning. Okay. And the documentary is made over like six years, right? Oh, okay. So it's a six-year documentary. And he knows that the documentary is called Paris is Burning, and his goal in life is to take his choreography and his show mm-hmm. to Paris and actually like be lit. So oh. he wants to actually like make Paris burn, and he ends up doing that. Oh, wow. It's awesome. He's now this, like, international choreographer. Very cool. Anyway. Or where could you watch this? Is this on a Netflix? It normally is on Netflix. It tends to come on and come off every once in a while. Okay. But if you just uh, search for it on Google or something, you can find a stream somewhere. Hmm. Of course. Okay. Yeah, because somebody's going to bootleg it and put it on YouTube. (laughs) Of course they are. It was actually recognized as a historical film. So it was archived. Well, that's pretty cool. So, okay, let's actually talk about the actual documentary okay, for a second. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> it is a very beautiful documentary mm-hmm. about drag culture. Right. More specifically centered around drag culture in the New York area. Okay. And it explains... Which is very hopping. Hopping. It's the 1980s. Right. It's uh, mm-hmm. 1980s New York drag culture. Right. Is what the documentary is about. And it kind of explains the upbringing of homosexual culture when it pertains to, I don't know, kind of just being very inclusive and very loving and very um, against oppression. Okay. So it explains the house. I don't know if you've ever heard of a house before. I have. (laughs) So it goes over a lot of different houses. So the story is that in New York City, there used to be a law that said if you were not wearing at least three articles of gender appropriate clothing, you could be arrested. Whoa. When was this? This was early in the 1960s, 1950s. Okay. Yeah. So um, early in mid 1900s. Mm There used to be a law against homosexual activity in public. Right. Whatsoever. And then, of course, that led to the prominence of gay clubbing. Because at gay clubs, you could be whoever you wanted to be, right? Sure. And not have to worry about the law, which, I mean, they still did, of course. Well, sure. (laughs) But 
it became prominent for people in gay clubs to dress however they wanted to dress. Mm -hmm. That turned into people dressing up as the opposite gender. Right. Which turned into those people performing at those bars. Right. Which turned into what we now know as drag queens. Ah. (laughs) Now, I'm sure it was... A practice, and it has been a practice for a very, very long time, Mm -hmm. long before we ever had the New York club scene. Probably. I could totally see it happening in, like, Roman times and, like, people entertaining dressed up as a mm -hmm. woman. Well, you know, in uh, Greek theater, women were not allowed to play the roles. Yes. So so men had to dress mm -hmm. up as the female But I don't necessarily see that as drag, but I I can see it as a form. Yeah. It was kind of like the early days of, like gender nuance Mm -hmm. how to portray a character without actually being a character Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's been a tradition i mean it's something that's been around for a very very long time sure it just so happens that coming into america and because we are the 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 people of freedom Mm -hmm. right that's what we want to be Uh and for a long time we never felt like we all had that same equal freedom right could you remind our president of that which um, the current. I don't know her. <laughs> Him. <laughs> but you never know, do you? I don't know who she is. <laughs> I've never, never felt that. Mm-hmm. Never heard of that. Who is who? Is who, she? Who? I don't know. President Trump. I wish I could forget him. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like he needs reminding. Oh, but anyway, continue. Okay, so <clears throat> drag culture. New York City, 1950s, 1960s, it was illegal right. to dress as the opposite gender. Right. They would take you into the restroom and check your gender to see if you were wearing appropriate clothing or not. And if you were not, they would arrest you. How is it that they check your gender? They would literally just tell them to pull down their pants mm. and just take a gander. Anywho, so because of all of those reasons... Gay clubbing became so prominent in the New York scene. Right. And it just so happens that um, most gay bars were run by the mafia. Because the mafia had the power to bribe police officers into telling them when or when not the club or establishment was going to be raided. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So most of the time, you could get away with whatever you wanted in a gay club. Right. So... That turned into this huge culture in the underground um, criminal, I don't know how you say, just... Well, because back then it was a criminal act, so the fact that they were uh, associating with people who were Mm -hmm. also against uh, running against the law and things Mm -hmm. like that, but also could be connected with the police and know, you know, because mafia and Mm -hmm. gangsters... right. Were very connected with the police. They'd always have some yes, kind of insider. Of so they would have somebody that would be able to tell them. So it makes sense to me that people who, um, because it was illegal back then mm-hmm. for certain things to occur, um, it makes sense to me that they would be associated with the mafia and, yes. and uh, mobs. The mob type of people. Yeah. The people who have your back. Because obviously the mafia found in this culture or in this subclass of people, 
something that they could cater to and make money off of. I was going to say, I think that the mafia probably just was like, oh, we could make money from this. <laughs> exactly. And they, they probably didn't have a stake in the matter. They're just like, this is a place we could make mm-hmm. some, some cash. Well, the mafia make some already, of that bread. M- most of the mafia work happened in the nightlife, right? So there's lots of clubs. They owned lots of clubs already. Yes. And then when they realized that they could make a shit ton of money off of the people who off were being like oppressed. Clubs. Yeah, off of secret clubs for the gays, people who were being oppressed and who would pay shit ton of money to go to this place and be whoever they wanted to be and love whoever they wanted to love, the mafia was just like, yeah, come on in. It makes me want to believe that the mafia's intention was good, but you know it was just because they just were like, oh, this is money. This is money. Yeah, yeah exactly. So they had no problem with Their it, Their money's right? just as green. <laughs> exactly. So you had these things happening where people started coming together mm-hmm. and people started really like building really strong family like relationships. Right. And as such, gay people were being thrown out of their homes by disapproving parents. People were being um, beaten and broken and abused and abused by sure. society Shamed. as a whole. So they all found each other, right? Yeah. yeah. That was the beginning of what we know as a house. Okay. So you would have one person who would be the mother right. or the father, however, which way you want to mm-hmm. find a house, but they would found one of the houses. Some of the most notable houses and some of the ones that are explained in the documentary Paris is Burning are places like the House of Extravaganza, mm-hmm. the House of Dupree, the House of Ninja. Um, there are so many different houses in the New York club scene, but they only go over the prominent ones. So drag is like Game of Thrones. Yes. Except less bloody. Oh, no, there's plenty of blood. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Blood on the dance floor. I see. (laughs) They dance till their feet bleed. (sighs) Okay, so you have these houses, right? Mm -hmm. And it was pretty much just somebody who was a legend in the club scene. Sure. Whether it be by being an incredible performance uh, artist Mm -hmm. or being an incredible drag queen or being an incredible, just like rich, wealthy, Mm -hmm. amazing, statuesque, iconic individual who was really into civil rights, you know, whatever their statue was. I could see someone who's very nurturing as being that kind of person. Exactly. Someone who's able to take somebody in and Mm -hmm. and nurture and, and make that person do the best that they can. Yes. Yeah. So that's how the houses began. Very cool. And from the houses came the balls. <laughs> okay. Okay, so for gay men, especially those who were oppressed, they wanted to live out their most extreme fantasies, right? Sure. So they wanted to dress up and go to a ball. Oh, I was thinking something else. I'm, I'm aware. Okay. <laughs> This is much more cute and precious. (laughs) They wanted to dress up and go to a ball and they wanted to feel like a princess. Gay men, specifically. Yes, I love that. Now, of course, there are females who Yes, I was going to say, there's queens and kings. Yes, queens and kings. So there's drag queens, which are men who dress up as women. And Mm -hmm. then there are drag kings who are women that dress up as men. Yes. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're transgender. No. It just means that they want to dress in that way and Correct. do performances. It's like a show. Yes. So the documentary Paris is Burning is specifically centered around mostly gay men. Mm-hmm. There are some females that are part of the show, but most of them were just following the legendary drag queens of New York City. Right. 
it also doesn't necessarily mean that they're gay. No, it doesn't. Usually it does. Yes. But there are exceptions. There are people mm-hmm. who are not gay that want to perform and, and dress and drag and things like that just yes. because they think it's fun, glamorous, mm-hmm. whatever, what have you. So right. I just thought I'd point that out in case people are like, I'm not gay, but I would love to be in drag. Do it. It's called theater? Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Do it. <laughs> so, rambling. Continuing. <laughs> okay. The ball. And so dress up as princesses. People would dress up as whatever they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And that's originally how the ball started. You would have categories. So there would be people who wanted to be in the military, but they weren't allowed to be in the military because they were gay. Mm-hmm. So there was a category for military realness. Mm-hmm. And you would dress up as a sergeant. And you would have to play the role of a sergeant. And you would walk the catwalk. Mm-hmm. Or you would walk in a ball. And you would have to portray a character. So each category, you would have winners, and each winner would snatch a trophy. Mm-hmm. So the people who snatched the most trophies, they became legendary. Right, which became the heads of the houses. Yes. Very good. So the legendary heads of the houses would have their children, and they would teach their children and show their children how to walk and how to perform in a ball Mm -hmm. in whatever category they wanted to. Now, there were categories for men to dress up as men Mm -hmm. and just portray their heterosexual counterparts. Such as like the military uh, military. or um, uh, Banji. Banji boys were gay boys who could act and portray their straight counterpart Mm -hmm. and not be detected in society. Right. And then there were butch queen realness and then femme queen realness. All these different categories on how to portray a character as to where you would not be oppressed by society. Right. That was the purpose of the ball. I love that they have a ball and that it wasn't (laughs) what I was thinking of originally. So the balls were a huge prominence in the... (laughs) 1980s New York club scene. Right. Right. It was kind of like the big, like huge. That's what the houses were made for. You just keep saying big and huge. Yeah, big, huge balls. (laughs) And I'm just like. Big, huge balls. Okay. (laughs) We get it. They're big. They're huge. (laughs) But it's incredible because out of oppression, You have this beautiful close-knit family or house that competes against each other to better each other and find something in life where they can just express themselves and live their life however they want to for five minutes. And I can see that being really uh, like having kind of cattiness between houses. Oh, yes. But I can also see that being very, like, I think it's just in good fun for the most part. There's probably some people that are, like, so into it that they're like, I actually hate that house. Yes. But it makes me think of... Game of Thrones? No, no, no. I mean, kind (laughs) of, yes. In a way, sure. But they don't kill each other necessarily more so than anything there's it's kind of like a sportsman like conduct that's what i think it's like teams basically it makes me think of good sportsmanship they probably encourage each other camaraderie yes so like i'm going to be the sickest queen of them all and sick is a good thing i know yeah i have found this out because i've been watching lots (laughs) of youtube i was i wanted to watch this uh getting ready video uh-huh. of two drag queens uh-huh. and it was plastique tiara tiara that's right and then uh the other one was 
dang it, I was going to remember her name too, but I can't now. But anyway, they're getting ready mm-hmm. and it shows you all the makeup that they're using and everything. Mm-hmm. But the, they would keep looking at each other and going, oh, you're, you just, you sicken me. You look, you're just yeah. so sick. Sickening. Yes. You're sickening. And I you're was like, you're so beautiful that it makes me sick. Yeah. It makes it's me basically what that means. And yeah. I was catching on to that afterwards. Cause at first mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's rude. And then, <laughs> and then they kept saying it to each other and they would be like, oh, thank you. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess that's good. Yeah. There's a lot of, okay. So uh, it, as it goes back to camaraderie, right? So I'm going to be the sickest queen of them all. Right. And you, my competitor, you're going to have to step your pussy up. Right. In order to match me on my level. Right. So really, yes, it was kind of like, I'm better than you. But also, mm-hmm. like, let's do this together. Let's show the world that we can be whoever we want to be. We're and we're going to... We're all this <laughs> oh, together. Da, da. Okay, I'm done. Okay, good. So we're all going to be in this together and show the world that we can better each other and better our expression and better our lives just by being who we are. Right. And it was incredible. I think that's excellent. So that's the documentary. <laughs> No need to go watch it now. We've just told Please you everything. Watch it. It's actually, like I said earlier, it was recognized as a historical film and it's been archived by the National Society of Librarians. I sure. think was the correct, I don't know. Who gives a fuck? So, um, just go find it. Paris is burning. It. Paris is burning. You can find it somewhere. And, um, so let's fast forward to today's prominent drag queens. Yes. As we know, RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. So. There's a mixed bag with RuPaul's Drag oh, Race, I have found. Because yes. <laughs> some people love it. Love it. And then some people are like. Mm. It's ruining gay culture. Yes, they think it's just a, it's a drag. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of mixed things mm-hmm. about RuPaul's Drag Race. I've heard mm-hmm. some really inspiring things about RuPaul's Drag Race. Yep. And I've also heard some not-so-great things mm-hmm. about RuPaul's Drag Race. So I think it probably just depends on who you are. I think it's a good intro to people for drag. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you've never heard of drag and you start watching that show, because it has some inspiring moments. It's definitely catty and, like, mm-hmm. people are kind of mean to each other. Right. But I, I think it's a good intro for, for inspiring people to possibly think about doing drag or being interested in something like that and mm-hmm. showing them that this is okay. There's a TV show about it. So mm-hmm. obviously you can do this. Right. So I just think that that's, it's a good thing in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the people that I've heard that dislike it are more on the lines of it's fake. It's ruining, like you said, mm-hmm. it's ruining uh, the culture of it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. So let's talk about the actual act of drag as it is first. Well, do you want to talk about getting ready? Like how somebody might get ready for drag? Sure. Okay. Because I've heard that it takes hours. It can. Depending on who you are. But also think about it this way. So we have all of these huge legendary icon superstars who walk red carpets all the time, right? Sure. Think of people like Lady Gaga, uh, Jennifer Aniston, Kim Kardashian, people who actively walk in uh, red carpets. Mm -hmm. To do hair and makeup for a red carpet event literally takes like four to five hours Mm -hmm. to get ready 
on that type depending of level. on what you're doing yeah, depending on that type of level lady gaga probably for sure for sure but they're not men turning themselves into something else mm-hmm. they are women elevating their natural beauty i guess you could say <laughs> with different types of style and fashion and things like that sure to create kind of like this performance as they walk down a red carpet right so for men for me personally I don't find that very much different. It's not super different. It just takes, um, I feel like it takes a lot more time Mm -hmm. for people in drag. Um, But if drag queens had a literal team of people, like Jennifer Lopez has an entourage of 50 people who help her get ready. Sure. If drag queens had that, it wouldn't take them that much time, you know. Right, what I mean? and I'm sure that there's some drag queens that do have that. Oh Probably yeah, not for sure. All, not like, like many. <laughs> <laughs> most, most of the most of the famous ones that we know in drag culture, they have assistants, mm-hmm. at least two or three. Well, and there's like like I said earlier, I was watching a Get Ready with Me video mm-hmm. with these two drag queens, and they they would uh, get glue sticks and and put their eyebrows down. They'd make sure that everything was good and shaved. They'd put on layers upon layers upon layers of, uh, makeup, mm-hmm. which is not super abnormal. Mm-mm. Not for, not for just drag, but just in general, I feel like the culture today, layers and layers and layers of makeup is a thing. Yeah. Um, and then also the body as well. So like people have to either create their own body suits basically mm-hmm. so that they look more womanly. Yeah. Having padding around the waist area, right. the butt area, the torso. To look more feminine, yeah. to get that hourglass to shape. Right. Hourglass shape that a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the clothes, uh, you have to have it specifically towards your body and things like that. So I think it's, it's just a, takes a long time. And then you have the wigs which apparently Plastique Tiara is an expert in. A lot of drag queens are experts in wigs. Okay. Well, it said specifically Tiara, she yeah. was. She's really good at wearing the same silhouette and changing her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and she show, there's a video of her showing you how to make your wig look mm-hmm. perfect and like real hair. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. Oh, hair is a completely different story. Yeah. Like hair can take hours. Yes. They they were talking about getting it ready the day before. If you're only wearing one wig, you're not doing drag. Right. Most of the time you have at least two wigs. Mm-hmm. You have the front and then the back. <laughs> Most of the time. Some people will add extensions. Most Some people will she add added, a bump. Some people, like there's so much you can do. Right. She added clips of hair into mm-hmm. it. So it was, it was just one wig, but mm-hmm. it was a bunch of different attachments to it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that for a minute. This is something that we didn't talk about whenever we were talking about Paris is Burning. But for men... The object, whenever it comes to dressing up as a woman, is to make your natural features look smaller Mm -hmm. because men have larger, rounder, more squared natural features. Right. So the object of the game is to make everything look small and dainty. More petite. Yeah, more petite. So in order to do that, especially with your face and men who have like really strong jaw lines or really prominent cheekbones, stuff like that, you have to maximize the volume of your hair. Also, because contouring the, becomes very important. Yes, contouring does become very important. But yes, but big hair. The bigger your hair, in proportion to that hair, your facial features look much smaller. The closer to God. The higher the hair, the closer to God. Yeah. Yeah, that was a Texas thing. 
<laughs> I had never heard that till you said it. And then, but then in the video I was watching, they said it, and they I was like, it, "Hey!" Yeah. <laughs> well, because that was a thing before drag queens like became prominent in the places like Texas, mm-hmm. because Texas women they also knew those secrets. You know what I mean? Yeah. To make your face look dainty and more. More Southern Bale like. Yes. You just had big hair. Petite. That's all you did. You just teased the fuck out of your hair. I've just come to terms that I'm not a petite person. <laughs> and I'm fine with that. I feel like if I lost enough weight, I could be a petite person. Okay. Because I'm a very like small kind of dude. I'm just too tall. I wish I was taller. <laughs> well, it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> <laughs> Benefits and um, other things. <laughs> What's Benefits the and the opposite of benefits. What, what is that? <laughs> oh, goodness. But anyway, so the process of getting ready is oh. quite a feat. Yes. Uh, yes. So, but the transformations that I've seen are just amazing. But when you stop to think about it, not all drag queens are just turning themselves into beautiful women. Right. There are a lot of people, a lot of drag queens specifically, who turn themselves into whatever they choose to be for that performance. Sure. So there are drag queens who turn themselves into aliens, mm-hmm. drag queens who turn themselves into animals. Like, it's so many different things. You have to know what your aesthetic is and how to prepare for that aesthetic. Because more so than anything, drag isn't about men dressing up as women or women dressing up as men. It's about portraying an expression as a character. authentically as you possibly can. Right. That's what drag is for the most part. So if you wanted to be a drag queen who only dresses up as animals, then that's... F- I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of those already. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. It's just portraying how you feel like is best living your life. Yeah. So that's what it is. So the transformation into doing those things can vary from person to person. Right. Like if my portrayal that I wanted to give off was, I don't know, a lion... It would take me some work, right? Yes. But if I wanted... I mean, you've got quite a mane happening, but... I do have quite a mane. So maybe not. Maybe. hmm. It might just take a little touch of makeup. (laughs) (laughs) But if I wanted to portray just like, I don't know, some sort of other character, a military veteran, it wouldn't take as much work, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. Okay. So I found a video about... Things that you shouldn't say to people in drag, <laughs> which I just thought was pretty funny. And I wanted to share them. You know, drag queens, most of the time, they're comedians. Yes. Because I mean, like the well, they, they're performing. Like, yeah, they're performing. They're putting on a show. But more likely than not, most men understand that they're dressing up as a woman as a form of entertainment. Right. So most of the time when you encounter a drag queen, they're going to be a very comedic type of personality Mm -hmm. so if you say something off the wall they're going to say something off the wall back to you right so be careful truth (laughs) so hit me with your best shot okay one of my favorite favorite ones is do your parents know (laughs) (laughs) and the the reactions i need to show you this video afterwards the reactions in the video are pretty funny they're like yeah and my grandma's real into it she loves it and she's like wearing this huge wig and drag and everything. Uh, so that was pretty funny. Okay. Um, another one is, where do you put it? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were all goodness. like, why does everybody want to know that? <laughs> why are you so curious? 
then another one is like RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And apparently people in drag do not like that. <sighs> most people, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it kind of creates a standard where most of the time drag queens don't like to be standardized. You right. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You must be transgender. Oh, shit. Yes, everybody hates that one. Yeah, that's not a good one to bring up. <laughs> no, no. No. Uh, another one for some reason is, do you have sex in drag? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't asking you personally. But I'm just saying. I mean, like, it happens. But it's also, you know I mean? like, a question that I feel like is none of people's yeah, business. it's none of people's business. Yeah, why, why would you ask somebody that? Mm-hmm. And then the last one is, but why? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you want to do that? M- most of the reactions were because it's fun. Yeah. And I want to. Mm-hmm. And why do you care? Yeah. So, yeah, those are the things you probably shouldn't ask somebody in drag. But if you do, be prepared because they will. <laughs> For the sass. Back. Yes, they will. They will get you. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, okay, first of all, which you musty looking ass. <laughs> Yeah, I have, uh, I've never asked a, a, somebody in drag anything mm-hmm. like that, Yeah, but I have gone to a drag show before and the lady was not impressed with my look. Really? Yeah. She walked past <laughs> me and she looked me up and down and she was like, girl, you ain't got nothing. <laughs> and I was like, I have a butt, but I have nothing else. Yeah. So, uh, you're right. Oh my God. <laughs> How unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> I was like. Sorry. Drag queens can be quite the critic. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I was just like, it's a show and she's doing her thing. So Mm -hmm. whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, But I was just like, I guess I have nothing, (laughs) nothing to offer. I have also seen a couple of drag queens in Mm -hmm. person. I went to see um, Bianca Del Rio. Right. Which was one of the winners of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I have seen, okay, so Alyssa Edwards, I didn't see her in drag. I actually met her as Justin at a bar whenever I was living in Dallas because she also lives in Dallas. Right. Um, I've seen a couple of different drag queens, but I really love, I love drag queens who embrace the fact that it's just an expression of whoever you want to be and you don't have to be, um, categorized by any one thing. Right. Right. So people like Bianca Del Rio who know that she, she says all the time, I'm just a clown. Right. And like all of this paint that's on my face, all of these wigs that I wear, all of the costumes that I wear, it's just me putting on a show. Right. So if I want to call you a dumb bitch, I'm going to. It's like any other show, I think. Exactly. So uh, Bianca Del Rio has always been one of my favorites. That's why I went to go see her. She was incredible. She's an insult comedian and her show was absolutely hilarious. Right. Right. Um, Some of the other drag queens that I would like to see are people like Adore Delano. Mm -hmm. Adore Delano uh, was on American Idol several years before she went on Drag Race and she was Danny Noriega. And I remember as a little gay boy, like in high school, watching Danny Noriega and being like, oh, there are gay people on Idol. That's so sweet. You know what I mean? There's probably been a lot more Uh, than that. Yeah, there have been a lot more. Right. But whenever I was a little kid, I was just like, I want to see representation from my people. Like this is the best that I had gotten. Which is why I think RuPaul's Drag Race can be good. Yes, Because it shows you that 
that's okay. And yes. this is something that's accepted, uh-huh. uh, which I enjoy. One of the drag queens that I really like that I have found is Patrick Starr. I just think she's so funny. <laughs> yes, there are lots of really hilarious queens. Yes. She's also real loud, but she reminds me of a friend that I had in high school. And so every time I watch her, I'm like, oh, I thought you were about to say me. No. Loud. In high school. Loud. You are loud. And and hilarious. uh, (laughs) (laughs) So-so. Oh, goodness. Oh, there are drag. There are really famous drag queens that are not part of RuPaul's Drag Race. Like for the longest time, um, Lady Bunny. She made a cameo, like a guest appearance on the show, but she was never a contestant. She was never a judge. She's just one of RuPaul's best friends that used to do drag in New York with RuPaul. I think the majority of drag queens are probably not on RuPaul's Drag Race because there's so many of them. Exactly. There are so many of them. And um, so Lady Bunny is absolutely hysterical. um, There's this one that I know, Vicky Vox. She was never on Drag Race, but she's an incredible singer. Mm-hmm. She sings live on most of her performances. And she nice. was in a girl group with uh, Willem Belli, mm-hmm. which was one of the drag queens on the show, and Detox. Mm. They called themselves DWV. Right. And um, they had this girl group, and they were all singers. So they all put out music videos and albums and stuff like that. But Vicky Vox is incredible. She's beautiful, and she sings so... Uh, she sings the songs like Whitney Houston and... Um, Jennifer Hudson and right. like really like powerhouse Soulful. diva ballads. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. So, I mean, there are so many different types of drag queens all over the place. And now there's a drag race, Thailand. Mm. So the Thailand has their own drag race show. That's kind of cool. Um, I mean, there, and then there are so many different subcategories or, and also like local type of queens like you can go to a city um anywhere and find a specific type of queen but you could also find something incredibly unique like all of the drag queens in the city are like wearing i don't know horns or something mm-hmm. because that's just the thing for right that for that place that place it, that they're it, in. it's so great to kind of understand the culture as it is as a whole instead of what's being represented by mainstream media because although yes we do finally have representation in mainstream media and we're making such huge strides, but it's easy to forget that that's not just what we are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why you were saying, you know, sometimes people think that RuPaul's Drag Race can be a bad thing. Yes. It's ruining gay culture by putting us into a box. Sure. Yeah. They think that that's what drag is and that's only what it can be. Right. Or that you can only be famous if you're on RuPaul's Drag Race. Right. And that's the biggest thing I think is that Uh people can be famous and be good drag queens without being on RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I don't, I don't think it's ruining a culture. Honestly, I I personally think that it's a good exposure, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that people should look at it and think that's all that drag is. Right. That's my opinion for what it's worth. (laughs) (laughs) For what it's worth. Oh goodness. And that's it. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, drag queens, drag kings, we love them. Yeah. Um, it's a good time. It's a, it could also be a, is a, it could also be a real good time. Yes. Don't ask them where they put it. <laughs> they don't like that. Anyway, um, let's move on. Going into brewing something bitter. Meredith, my dear. Mm-hmm. What makes you bitter? 
Not much. (laughs) I'm aware. (laughs) It's kind of gross. (laughs) Uh, Just how hard it is to eat healthy sometimes. That makes me bitter. Mm. Because sometimes you go places and they don't have anything healthy. And then Mm -hmm. at your house, you don't have anything healthy. And you're Mm -hmm. like, maybe I should have bought things that were healthy. And yeah. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that's a struggle for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to keep my weight down a little bit for wedding things. Mm -hmm. And... uh, stresses me out kind of i'm so excited you're getting married me too also my shoes came in yesterday <laughs> they did what? oh you're gonna have to show me because i'm I, not I, actually gonna try on my dress and my shoes together in just a little <laughs> bit so you're gonna have to just watch because, mostly because i want to see if the heels are tall enough okay but anyway yeah they're cute we'll do that okay yay so yeah that's my better though is that <laughs> the health thing okay Go ahead. So what makes me bitter is is talking about drag queens and stuff like that. I used to actually do drag. I haven't done (laughs) it in a long time. I thought you were going to be like, talking about drag queens makes me bitter. And I was like, (laughs) so this whole show. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Anyway, so I used to do drag a long time ago. It's been a couple of years. I haven't done it in a while, especially because I'm not the same like person anymore. Person anymore. Okay. Yeah. People grow and people yeah. people uh, venture into other things, new I things. I mean, I, I don't have anything against it, but no. it for sure, like looking back on it, I remember to myself being the stereotypical gay guy that everybody like, um, I don't know how to say, was ashamed of. I was never ashamed of you. Thank you. You're welcome. I've always embraced you. (laughs) But I mean, like there, like I understand what you say whenever people, uh, kind of like how the show, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race is a bad thing because it makes people see us a certain way. Right. That's how I felt I was for a really long time. Okay. And I felt like I was pressured into playing that role because of how open I was about my sexuality. Mm. So because I was this open prom and I, myself, I've, I've done lectures at, um, clubs and done lectures at other things. And I've had littles and I've mentored and big brothered stuff like that before. Um, I never had my own house because I never took it that far, but (laughs) yeah, that is kind of far (laughs) past the point of no return, but I did play that role. I played the stereotypical gay guy who did drag and was an entertainer and took people out and maybe drank a little bit too much and did all this stuff. And looking back on it, I think to myself, you know what? I was living my best life, but part of me wasn't being, authentically me Mm -hmm. it was playing into a role that i had believed that you thought this is the stereotype so this is what i have to do this is this is how i have to behave this is what people expect out of Mm. me you know what i mean yes and being a drag i was incredible Mm -hmm. i was beautiful right i was gorgeous sure but people expected me to act a certain way yes i know exactly how that is because i'm a southern woman so i get it (laughs) (laughs) probably not to the extent that uh, of understanding Mm. but anyway and, and when you're a drag queen, also, when you're out of drag as a boy, people expect you to look and act a certain way then, too. Right. Like, oh, you do drag? You must be this effeminate little gay boy. You must be very feminine. Or, yeah, exactly. Right. But I'm That's not the that thing person I hear the, out of drag. Right. That's the yeah. thing I hear the most, I think, is that people are like, oh, you're not as feminine as I thought as you I would thought be. I thought you would be. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why did you think they'd be so feminine? And for a long time, I struggled with that. 
mm. because on one hand, out of drag, I'm very, I'm, I don't act like a, um, a stereotypical gay boy. Oh yeah. And, um, but in drag, I'm, I'm very convincing, mm -hmm. like very convincing. I'm beautiful and yes. I can, I can portray the character amazingly. And so modest. Incredible. Right. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. But, um, I'm not that person out of drag and I, I don't like being pushed into that box by my own culture. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, a internal battle. Right. But ever since then, especially because I'm much older now and I'm, I understand myself a little bit better, I know that I don't have to be that person anymore. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to do drag, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Like I could do drag and play that character again and be perfectly fine with it. But this time around, I would understand myself better. Right. So the person that I allowed myself to be in the world would be a different person. Right. And that, I think that's part of growing up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Yay. I mean, kind of. I mean, like lesson learned? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alex. Yes. What is sweet this week? <laughs> I am about to start a second job. And although Yay. I'm going to be super exhausted, yeah. I'm really excited because there are times in your life whenever you get really content and you're, or you're just like, you settle for mm -hmm. however you're living your life. Right. Like you're not doing anything exciting with your life. Nothing's really, you're not taking yourself anywhere. You're not doing anything and you kind of get comfortable. Right. Pushing yourself out of that box can be a very inspiring thing. Right. So starting this new job and meeting new people and understanding my life a little bit better and what I want to do in the future. Like those things are all starting to fall into place. Well, good. So I'm really excited to start working again at a new place and start experiencing different things and start learning again. And cause at my job, I'm incredible, right? I'm super smart. I'm super like loyal. Right. I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm amazing. And I've gotten like really comfortable yeah. being that amazing. Right. So now I get to go back and start over at square one. Right. And it's like exciting. And you know be what I mean? a little less amazing no, at I'm first. No. No. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. My B. Uh, anyway. So yeah. Getting to start kind of like a new chapter of life. Even sure. though it's not like a chapter because I don't feel like it's anything like brand new. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's just another moment that I get to experience and start like focusing on. Right. So I'm super excited. Well, good. Yay. I'm excited for you. Thanks. You welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you? Uh, my heels. Your heels that you got. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm very excited about them. <laughs> and uh, the first like moment I got them, I like ripped the package open and tried them on and walked around in them. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I, I love them a lot. Um, I'm really glad that everybody was in agreement on what shoes to yeah. buy. I asked you, my mother, my grandmother, and a fr another friend. And, uh, all of you except one picked that either the red one or somebody, uh, and uh, people picked two, a mm -hmm. couple. So my mom picked up the black one and then there's also some black ones. Mm -hmm. No, the black ones and the red ones. Uh -huh. So, uh, picked both of them. Yeah. And, uh, but the red ones were most people's favorites. Yeah. So I was also very happy. Well, you sent me like four pictures of shoes. Yes. And, um, out of the four, there was one that I really loved for me. <laughs> so I don't know if you noticed this. This ain't about you. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed this, but when I text you, you and said, I said for you, for you yeah. this one. Yes, I did. 
And I was, because I knew that that's the one that would be the best for you. But for me, it was a black one. <laughs> well, the other ones I wanted, I wanted the black ones, the kitten heels. Yes, those were cute. They were so cute. They didn't have them in my size. I was oh. going to get those instead. And then they didn't have them in my size. So I was like, well, I also do love the red ones. So I will get those. Yeah. Anyway, nobody knows what I'm talking about, really. <laughs> like everybody's like, oh yeah, your wedding shoes. But we let's have no idea what shoes. the, uh, let's get shoes. These shoes are $300. They were expensive, These actually. These shoes are $300. These shoes are $300 fucking dollars. <laughs> they weren't $300. Let's get them. No. <laughs> I don't think I could have bought them if they were $300. Shoes. But they were kind of pricey. Let's get some shoes. Okay, we're moving on now. <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of the world, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to get a hold of us. All of our contact information will be in the description, as always. And until next time, bye. See ya.